Awesome. Everybody okay? All right. Pastor Ray uh, asked me to preach. I said, I'll think about it. Um, he asked me later what I thought, and I was like, I don't know. And so I just kind of said, are you just saying I should do it? And he said, yes. So I said, okay, here I am. All right. So I want to try to move quickly because I'm hungry. Um, but I'm actually absolutely passionate about what I'm going to be sharing about today. And just the title of my sermon, if you would, is called Encounter. And it has to do with a passion for the presence of God. Amen. I'll give you uh, my goals right up front so that if you need to leave or just want to leave, you have my entire message in the first two minutes. I have a few goals here. My goal is that Grace Church, we're so full of expectation that we show up early every Sunday morning to find a parking spot and a good seat. I'm serious. My goal is that we would hate, absolutely hate the thought of missing the first note on the piano or the first strum of the guitar as we come in this door. That we would, that when we come on a Sunday morning, we know that we have a word, we have a gift, we have a song, we have something that we are bringing that this corporate gathering of believers needs. Amen? Don't, please don't ever, uh, even in confidence, talk to me and complain about not being fed or not being, your needs not being met at your church. I don't want to hear it. You are the church. This is you. We're the church. Amen? All right. So there, I got my little soapbox done. Um, I'm, uh, my goal is that we, all of us, would move in all the gifts of the Spirit. That expect a miracle isn't a tagline, but it's a reality that we come in here with, amen? And finally, that we are a church of bold risk takers, not afraid to try things, just going, running to problems, bringing solutions, amen? All right, so let's pray. God, we love you this morning. And we thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We thank you that you promised where two or more of us are gathered in your name that you're here in the midst. So Holy Spirit, we just say we need you. Uh, would you. Would you open up our eyes, the eyes of our hearts? Would you give us a spirit of wisdom or revelation in the knowledge of you? God, would you help us to hear what you're saying to us this morning? And God, would you fill us with expectation and faith? I just pray that we'd be encouraged today and motivated today uh, by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, the definition of encounter from the dictionary is to meet as an adversary or enemy. So we'll ignore that one. That doesn't really fit with my message. The next one is to come upon face to face. And another one is to come upon or experience, especially unexpectedly. So when I use the word encounter this morning, I'm really talking about those moments in our life where God just marks us and he defines who we are. And we just, boom, we, we meet him in a special way, right? God's everywhere. He's all the time everywhere. We know that. But do you know that there are moments in your life, is that true? Has that been true in your, your experience? That there are moments you can look back on now and you say, that was an encounter with God. Maybe it was through another person. Maybe it was in a quiet time where you were alone. Maybe it was in a church service or an event. But there is a time you look back on and say, I'm different because of that encounter. That's, that's my point here this morning. Uh, if you turn to Exodus chapter 3, I'll just give you an Old Testament example really quickly, and then we'll look at a New Testament example. This is Moses. 
Moses was born, uh, I'm sure everybody knows the story, but most of you do maybe. Uh, Moses was born in, um, in a slavery. He was an Israelite. His people were slaves in Egypt. Uh, at, he was born right at a moment where the Egyptians were concerned that the Israelites were getting too many and strong and powerful. So there was a decree to kill all the baby boys. And Moses' mother ignored the decree, hid her son in a little reed basket, put him out on the Nile River, and he just happens to float up to Pharaoh's daughter, and she takes him and raises him as her own. So at this time, and then as Moses, he grows up at Pharaoh's house, learns what royalty is like, and through an event as an adult, he has to flee Egypt, and that's where we find him now. So Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, uh, and he led the flock to the back of the desert. I love it. It's not enough that it's the desert. It's the back of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside, to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush, said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take the sandals off your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And listen to this, the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up. And then in verse nine, he says, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me and I've seen their oppression. Verse 10, come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh. So I love this story. Uh, Moses is doing what I'm sure he's comfortable doing and he knows how to do. He's married, he has a family, he's doing his job. He's shepherding sheep. And um, today, just is different. He walks by and there's a bush burning. And I love how it says um, that he said, he says to himself, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Like what, was, what else was he gonna do? Just like ignore it, I don't, I don't know. And then verse four, this blew my mind this morning. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush. And I'm wondering, what if he wouldn't have turned aside to look? Would have God not said Moses? I don't know. Like, those are really low qualifications to answer the call of God. I love that. Like, there's a bush on fire. If I stop and look at it, God's going to call me to deliver an entire nation. If I keep walking, you know, then I'll just keep shepherding sheep. But anyway, here's a moment. And I love also how God says, said, I came down to deliver them. But God didn't come down to Egypt. He didn't come down to Pharaoh. He didn't come down to the place where those people were. No, he came down to a man in the backside of the desert, and he had an encounter with him, and he said, today you're a shepherd, tomorrow you're gonna deliver an entire nation. And Moses launched on this journey of risk, of danger, of excitement, but, I mean, just read the rest of that story. It's amazing. All right, so there's, that's, that's an Old Testament example of encounter. I don't wanna stay there too long. Um, I love when Pastor Ray talks about the journey of planning Grace Church, don't you? Because, and I've heard other pastors, you know, every time you start something new that doesn't exist, uh, there's people who will kind of make sure you understand all the bad things that could happen, right? Berks County's tough, 
Redding's, Redding's a rough place. I've heard all these things all my life. I grew up in Redding, in Berks County. Um, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I've heard all the stories. And, he, and when, I love it when he shares the story about, he was like, hey, obviously Pastor Ray had an encounter with God and it was burning in his heart that he's planting a church here. And I'm so glad he did because we're all here today. Amen? So there you go. It's risk. Go for it. A New Testament example. We won't turn here, but Mark chapter 1, verse 16. I love, I love how Jesus walks up to just fishermen. And he says, all right, drop what you're doing and come follow me. And they do. I mean, that's bizarre to me. But obviously, they had an encounter with Jesus, a literal not hypothetical, a real encounter. Jesus walked up to them and said, follow me, and they did. That was a life-changing encounter. They were doing what they knew to do. They were doing their occupation, and a man walks up, says, follow me. They drop their nets, they leave their dad in the boat, they're like, peace out, and they follow Jesus. Um, another, you know, another one that I wanted to just think about for a moment, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter two. Uh, Jesus ascends into heaven. The church is just baby, infant. And, um, you know, there's, they're gathered together in that upper room praying and waiting. And boom, the Holy Spirit shows up, right? And there's all these signs accompanying his presence. And this crowd gathers around them. And in verse 41, the result of, of this, well, coming out of this, Whatever's happening, this craziness that's happening, as there's tongues of fire and wind and all these signs, this crowd gathers. Peter has a platform and he just preaches this amazing message. And in verse 41 of Acts 2, it says that 3,000 people were saved. Like that's an encounter, right? There was an impact because the, because the Holy Spirit showed up. So these are the kind of things that I'm kind of passionate about. I don't really have a lot of different things to talk about. Like, these are the things that stir me and motivate me, these kind of uh, stories. I mean, I have, you probably have some in your life. Obviously, if you're saved, born again, you had an encounter with Jesus. You had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I remember, and, and I'll just share this because, you know, we're going into VBS. I remember as a five-year-old, I think it was five, maybe six, you know, whatever. I remember some of it. I remember responding to an altar call to receive Jesus, and it was real. And I remember it now. I, I can just picture it in my mind now. And I wanna say, just a side note, don't ever consider the children's ministry as like childcare, right? It's not. I mean, this, this week of VBS, the opportunity to minister to kids, you know, you're, we're all kind of like concrete. When we're kids, you can just mold that new concrete and, and, and trowel it and float it into a beautiful shape you want. It's so hard. As we get older, we get hard and crusty, don't we? And you know what happens then, right? Then it's jackhammer time. That's, that's not nice. Um, so, so ministry to kids, what a great honor. What a great privilege. Make sure you thank the, the people who are ministering to your kids when you pick them up and pray for them. Um, that was a real encounter I had as a five-year-old. It was real. Now, I did, I would say one more. Um, I remember being a pastor's kid in a uh, Mennonite church in Reading. Uh, there's a lot of weird things about my situation, but wonderful parents, wonderful family. Um, kind of bored out of my mind with church. 
16, 17 years old. I'll just be honest, I was. I remember specifically having the thoughts where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit. And, and, you know, my parents gave themselves to ministry in an inner city. And so we always had enough to eat, but we didn't have, like, a lot of cool things. So I had a, a kind of a, my own goal for myself was I'm going to be a sit-in-the-back Christian, nothing against you guys, I'm just, hear me out. And <laughs> I thought of that after I said it, I was like, I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, I'm gonna make money, and I'm gonna be a Christian, but my first goal is gonna be to make money. Um, but, and then there was a week of, a week of uh, I don't know what they called them, they weren't really like revival services, but this group, there's a, a church we knew of, had family at that in New York that, it was in the 90s. I don't know if you remember the 90s. There was definitely a renewal going on. The Holy Spirit was moving in neat ways. And God was doing awesome things at this church. And they sent a team down, a youth pastor and a worship team. Well, I mean, we were kind of like a piano-only kind of church. Um, and uh, the first night, I clearly remember I went fishing. I don't know why my parents didn't make me go. But I went fishing. To this day, if you offered me church or fishing, it's still a toss-up. But... <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, I'm kidding. Um, but I went fishing. I clearly remember that. But I think the next night, either I had to go or I just wanted to, I, I went. And it was an encounter. Like, this worship was just incredible. I, something flipped inside of me. And God, I mean, never since. I, I mean, the only thing, you know, the only thing I love really doing uh, as a ministry in church, I mean, this is fun, but... Give me my guitar, and, and I want to worship with people. That's what I love. And I think it's because God marked me that way. It's how he grabbed me. And this, this youth leader, afterwards, he's just like, hey, can we go up to your house? Let me just talk to you for a few minutes. And we just went up to the house, and he just began to talk to me about Jesus in a different way than I ever, ever heard anybody talk about Jesus. And it was just one of those, like, moments, right, that my life changed forever. And this goal of just being a nominal Christian and making money, like, I went the other direction. I worked part-time through my you know, young adult years and so I could do ministry stuff and things like that. Like, it just flipped me 180 degrees. There's a testimony for you of something in my life where I encountered God. Those are things I'm talking about, okay? Good. And you have your own stories. Here's my concern. Now, obviously, there's a balance to my message this morning. All of Christianity is in encounters with God, right? There's so many good things to be taught about how you live your life when it seems like God's absent, right? The good news is I can let somebody else preach that sermon. I'm only preaching mine today. So I just wanted to say that. This isn't a balanced message, and I don't want it to be. Encounters are by de with God are by definition something we can't create, right? You could try to make an encounter with God. It doesn't work that way. It's an unexpected. It's something where he breaks in, where he shows up, and we love it, hopefully, you know, Moses had a comfortable life. I'm sure uh, traipsing 80 years through the, the wilderness with complaining people was not high on his list of things he was hoping to accomplish. You know, he probably could have lived a comfortable life. And I think you and I, I know I could, you know, looking at myself as I grow older, I could just coast and live a comfortable life. I know I could pull that off. I could love Jesus and make it through to the end. Here's my biggest concern. I don't think that'll inspire our kids to walk with God. I don't. I wasn't inspired until I had an encounter with God. And I don't think, 
You know, I look at, I have four sons sitting here. And you know, my wife and I talk about this, like, we have to have encounters with God. When we get together as a church, when we get together with youth group, when we get together in, in a life group, uh, grace group, you know, we have to encounter Jesus. We have to encounter the Holy Spirit. It has to be real. Because our kids aren't gonna play games. They're not gonna, they're not gonna just do religion because they've seen you do it. That's my opinion. And really, what, what, a, what accomplishment is there in life if our kids, if we don't get that one right? <laughs> what could you accomplish and lose your kids and still stand before God and say, I think I did pretty good? I mean, I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I just mean that's pretty important to me that the encounters I've had with the Lord, the reality that I have, I can somehow create an environment or be a part of a people who are committed to seeing my kids have those experiences with God, where they encounter the Holy Spirit, where they know the reality of God, amen? So I'm passionate about it. Now, it's, it's uh, sometimes can feel messy when God's moving in, a, in those encounters, in an, in an amazing way. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 14.4. It says, where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of the ox. Do you got that? So it's almost like you can have neat and pretty, or you can get something done, but you can't have both. So I don't know about you, some people are uncomfortable with the messiness, the unknown of just really valuing God showing up and doing stuff that we can't control or know or plan for, administrate, watch over. But I will take the mess any day over just a, a set of routines and religion I will. I would much rather deal with the mess. I just, I don't have energy in my life for religion without power, for Christianity without the life of God, the moving of the Holy Spirit. I, I don't. Um, so encounter without the word can get weird, right? But the word without encounter, that's not even what the word teaches. Like, you can't have the word without encounter if you're looking at the word. I mean, all through the scripture, God wants to show up. You know, in the Garden of Eden, this isn't in my notes, in the Garden of Eden, one of the main points is that God would walk with them in the cool of the day. In the book of Revelation, at the very end, we're restored to the tabernacle God is with man. Like, he wants to show up. He wants to be with us. That's, and everything in between is, it broke and he's fixing it. All right, so there's many times, types of encounter, and I wanna just quickly say, you know, as you read the word, as you pray, in your everyday life, just going about like Moses, doing what you're doing, um, in your interactions with unbelievers, I just think you get encounters with God. Amazing times. But there's really two that I just feel that God wants to encourage us as Grace Church in. He wants to stir us up to believe for. And the first one 
as shocking as it may be, is in our corporate worship. I, I, I gave you that little testimony so you can kind of know. I, since that day, I just picked up a guitar and started playing, and I've never put it down very long. And um, to this day, my favorite thing that we do when we get together is, is worship Jesus. I love it. And um, if I have a very simple, there, I've heard so many teachings, so many different uh, visions for worship. So many, there's so many opinions about what good worship is. I'll tell you, if you turn to Second Chronicles 5, I'll tell you what has become my one and only goal and how I measure a worship service. This is what I reach for. Second Chronicles chapter five, as I try to stumble through and find it, this is the dedication of Solomon's temple. They bring the uh, Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God. It's where he physically, his manifest presence, the Shekinah glory dwelt on this box. Uh, so it's an Old Testament story. But if you turn to verse uh, 20, or I'm sorry, Second Chronicles five, verse 11, Pick it up there. So they bring the ark into this temple. They dedicate it. In verse 11, it says, It came to pass, when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites who were singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding the trumpet, Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. I love the, I love all types of worship services, and I don't think it's my job to judge which are the good ones, but this is what I reach for, where it's not like you're saying, oh, that was a great service, and I'm saying, eh. You ever notice that, right? You get 10 people in a room, they're gonna have 10 different opinions about the songs, what they felt, what God did, what happened, right? We all, we all kind of see it differently, feel it differently, sense it differently, like the different songs, like the different things. When something like this happens, it's just different. Like, you all just kind of, we're all just like, all right, God's here. I'm gonna stop doing what I'm doing, and we're just gonna fall down, and it just shuts it down, right? This is my, this is, this is my heart's cry in our times of worship. Amen? I believe God for that. Um, I love that. Because that, in that time when you encounter his glory, his power, his beauty, his presence, it can just change you in a moment. Not only that, I feel sometimes like, I don't know if it's specifically here, but, but I feel like so many people live with fear and anxiety. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or just, but if, you're, if you struggle with fear, anxiety, worry, there's something about worship that we, we I, don't, I don't think really, I don't really think you can worship and stare at the problems that you're concerned about. Like worship by nature is you stare at God, right? And respond to him. 
And I think there's something key. I'll just give that. I don't have like a Bible verse for you right now on that. I just, I really feel like God is saying to you, if you're struggling with worry, be a worshiper. Um, and, and kind of the evidence of that, look at the life of David. And you could turn there if you want to 1 Samuel 17, but just for the sake of time, I'm gonna kind of move really quickly. 1 Samuel 17, we have David. He's already anointed king. He's probably a teenage boy. He's writing music. He's playing his harp. He's another shepherd, interestingly enough, in the back of the wilderness. And uh, Israel's fighting the Philistines. And Israel's at war. David's too young, whatever. He's taking care of sheep. You know the story. His father says, David, take this food to your brothers, and, um, and I, I, wanna, you know, I want you to go take them food. So he does, and it struck me. In verse, uh, I'm going to turn there really quickly and just read a couple verses. 1 Samuel 17, in verse 21. We come on this scene, and, and, and David's there, and Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. So David left the supplies he brought. He kind of left them with the keeper, and he went. And, and um, he comes up, and they're talking with them. There was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistine. And he spoke, and he just defied the armies of the living God. He just defied all of Israel. And, and he stood there, and I'm struck by this. An entire army of trained soldiers were just absolutely terrified of this man. They had fear, anxiety, and worry that they said there's no way any of us could beat this man. <laughs> and like that was their one job. Like that's what they were trained to do. That's what they were there to do. But they, they couldn't see it. Um, so David, but then David sees this one time in verse 32, and he just says, uh, said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Verse 43, not only that, so, so grown, trained soldiers just tremble in fear. This teenage shepherd boy responds just differently than everyone else, which is amazing in itself. And this is just for fun. I'm gonna, if you go down to like verse 43, and get through all the stuff, the pre-stuff, this is what I love. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel who you have defied. And just like he could have stopped there, but he doesn't. He said, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. Are you allowed to read those verses in church? I just love it. It wasn't enough that he is a little teenage shepherd boy reacted differently than all the soldiers. Then he has to go to Goliath and just trash talk him to his face. Like, I love it. I love it, but why? I really truly think that David had encountered the Lord in such a way as a worshiper that this wasn't a big leap of faith for him. You know, I'm sure he was scared, but you know, he killed the lion, he killed the bear, he'd seen it before. This was just another giant, but compared to the God who he had been spent, spent his time worshiping and looking upon, 
encountering. This giant was, didn't have a chance. I really think the key to uh, us being bold is that we encounter God in worship. Uh, you can do that alone. Uh, David did it alone. But I'm telling you, there's something special when we come together. Um, and I'll just, as I'm as beginning to wrap this up, the, these are all free side notes just from a worship leader. I hope you guys value Nathan. That guy is... He is, uh, he's, he's the best. Um, I don't think he can make worship good here. I don't think so. I don't think one person can do it. Um, I really encourage you not, let's not come on a Sunday uh, to see how it's gonna go. Let's not come on a Sunday to see what songs are gonna be played. Let's come on a Sunday in a heart of worship, already worshiping, and let's add to the fire. Amen? It's, I mean, the worship team, I can promise you from being a part, the worship team is, is trying. They're doing their best. They're, they're doing their part. They're praying. They're practicing. They're asking the Lord, what are the songs? What are we supposed to be doing? How can we, how can we encounter you, God? But when all of us, when all of us own it, right? When all of us own it, when we say, I'm here to meet God today. I'm here to worship today. I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing. That was free, just from Chad. But I believe it with all my heart. So we can go some places in worship that we haven't yet, and we will. But it's all of us together, just with the heart of a worshiper. And I'll tell you what, out of that place, I don't think there's a giant around that'll stand a chance. The only other thing I want to say, the second type of encounter, and is just mention it to you. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11, in verse, and especially verse 7, Paul writes that the manifestation of the Spirit was given to each for the benefit of all. Are you moving in the gifts of the Spirit when we get together? Ephesians 4 talks about the fivefold ministry, and it says that in, in verse 7, again, it says that each one, grace was given. You've been given grace, you've been given a gift. You've been given the Holy Spirit. The point of the Ephesians 4, I think I mentioned this the only other time I was talking up here, is that we are equipped to do the work of ministry, right? It's not Pastor Ray's job to do the work of ministry. It's not Nathan's job to do the work of ministry. Their job is to equip us to do the work of ministry. And we're, we're it, right? I'm telling you, Time and time again, when somebody came up to me and shared a word of encouragement, a prophetic word, just a, something at the right time, the right words at the right time, that's an encounter with God that can change your life. A prophetic word doesn't have to be yelled out in the middle of the congregation. You know, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. It can be something, a, a word of knowledge, where you just, I'm telling you, just be, pay attention to the, the, the dreams, the pictures, the things you think of during the day. That, that just phone call to somebody at the right time just to check in on them. But when we gather together, let's come to give something. 
Not to get something. I mean, we will get something. Let's come to give something, amen? Is this stirring you at all? Is this working for you at all? Do you at least pick up the heart of what I'm trying to say? I'm up. Let's, uh, let's stand together, if you would. I'm just gonna end in prayer. But I wanna say this. There's this phrase in my heart. We must allow ourselves to fail if we wanna succeed. Are you a person who's afraid of failure, of looking stupid, of screwing up, of saying the wrong thing? I think so many times there's a, there's a gift of God in us and we're just too nervous to look bad or to screw it up. I just wanna say today, God's way bigger than that and you need to be free to allow yourself to fail. Who, who in here owns a business? Okay, how many of you know a very successful business owner? These guys aren't afraid to fail. In fact, if they're very successful, they probably failed already, maybe multiple times. We gotta get over the fear of failure. We gotta hear, have an encounter with the Lord, get a little vision in our lives for what he's called us to do. Get some smart people around us who can speak some words of encouragement, help us avoid the, the really stupid things, and then just go for it, right? Sometimes ready, fire, aim is the right order. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that we would encounter you as Grace Church. Holy Spirit, we welcome you now just to move on our hearts. We just thank you that God, there's no giant, there's no situation that is big compared to you. In Jesus' name, Lord, we just, we just, we repent of being fearful, of being timid. God, we're sorry for not responding to you for fear that we might mess it up or fail. God, today I just, I just ask that you would release this boldness to just go for it. This boldness to just respond with yes to you and trust you. God, I pray that this would be a community of believers who supports one another, who believes in one another, who prays for one another, who encourages one another. God, I ask for the, the gifts of the Spirit that they would just move, that prophetic words would come out of many, many people here, that gifts of healing would come out of many people here, that the gifts of faith, that God, that we just be full of your faith, God. Lord, I pray even this week for words of knowledge and words of wisdom, knowing what to say where there's no reason we should know. And God, I ask for encounters. Lord, as we worship together, I just pray that we would be, that Grace Church would be known as a place where if you need to meet God, you can show up and you'll meet God. I thank you that that, that is who we are, God, and I thank you that's who we'll continue to be in an increasing way. We love you, Lord. We love your presence. And God, we just thank you for today and the opportunity to be here with our brothers and sisters. Um, I just pray that everyone here would have an amazing week.